Well, good evening, and just want to welcome you to uh, church. The reality is I'm actually joining the ranks of many other pastors who find themselves recording a sermon to an empty auditorium. So I'm looking out over the empty auditorium. I did pull down the front one chair in the front row um, as if to say, Lord, just be there, and I'll do this as an act of worship to you audience of one, but it is a kind of a strange feeling, um, just kind of teaching to an empty church. I definitely long for the day when we can all be back together, but as everyone knows, we're right smack dab in the middle of this uh, just kind of a lockdown situation. Everybody's kind of kind of self-quarantining, and here, here in Hawaii, we, today was the first day where we um, are kind of on a really strict lockdown kind of thing where you're not supposed to leave and all of that stuff. So anyways, we're just praying that uh, this coronavirus thing will be done with here soon and we can just uh, get underway uh, with church as we know it. So, But with that having been said, let's pray. And then um, what I want to do is just jump right back into our study through Leviticus, maybe bring some normalcy back to um, all of our lives, and I've uh, been really enjoying all the special messages and teachings that have gone out, but we're going to just go right back to um, our verse-by-verse study, Lessons Through Leviticus, and um, let's pray, and then we're going to ju- go ahead and jump into that. Father, with all my heart, I just long to be a vessel that you can use to speak to your people. Thank you for the word of God. Thank you for the rock and the foundation that your word is. And I just want to pray, Lord, as the word goes out, Lord, and and as we just hear from you, Lord, that we would hear from you not only in a general way, but Lord, specifically in our lives, Lord, you'd speak a word to us. I pray that the word will come alive. I pray that we would fall in love with Jesus more because we spent time in your word. And so, Lord, I commit this time to you as strange as it is for me as a teacher, as a pastor, but I just give it to you and pray that as this teaching goes out, Lord, you'd bless your people. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, Leviticus chapter 13, if you want to grab your Bible and um, follow along, and it's a long chapter. I mean, I don't know if you looked ahead. It's 59 verses, and it's a, it's a spicy meatball. There's a lot there, so um, we're going to tackle it. But um, before we do, I want to just give a little bit of an introduction and, and some context. By way of introduction, I just want to say this. There is a saying among those of us who teach the Bible verse by verse, um, you know, chapter by chapter, and churches that do this, There's kind of a saying that floats around that says, where you're at is where you're at. And what's meant by that is, it's just, it's uncanny. When you're teaching through a chapter in the Bible, it just seems that that's oftentimes right where the the life of the church is, or people are at in in the body, and it just is relevant. Well, that is no more true than right now. We are in Leviticus chapter 13 and 14, 13 tonight. And you know what it's dealing with? Infectious diseases, <laughs> quarantining people, and, and trying to, to keep the, the spreading of infectious disease, specifically uh, that of not COVID-19, but of leprosy. So I think we'll all find a, a next level of application as we go through this. But more importantly, um, 
you know, for us, not so much the physical disease, and, and I'm not going to try to make that parallel so much, but there is a very, very, very important lesson in this chapter, several actually, um, on a spiritual realm. There's kind of a spiritual counterpart to the physical leprosy, um, and we're going to dive in and talk about that. It's important. Well, having said that, let me give you a little bit of context as we, as we dive into this. Uh, it's been a couple of weeks for some of us since we've been in Leviticus. So um, the first 10 chapters of Leviticus really dealt with uh, this overarching theme of atonement. And there were sacrifices and priests, and, and we looked at all of that at length. Um, but then as we get into chapters 11 through 15, it switches gears pretty abruptly And it's not so much dealing with the idea of atonement, it's dealing with the idea of defilement. And we mentioned last time that um, there's this distinction being made by God through the law of what is clean and what is unclean. And you go, you just read those words over and over. The word clean is mentioned over 30 times in just those chapters. And the word unclean is used literally over 100 times just between chapters 11 through 15. But what's the idea behind this? You have to keep in mind the overarching theme of the book of Leviticus, which is, in essence, the holiness of God. And so what this book is dealing with is how can God's people worship this holy God? How do they approach him? And we talked about the sacrifices. But then how are they supposed to live in a way that is pleasing to this holy God. And, and that theme um, is really mentioned several times in the Bible, um, but specifically in this book, I should say, where God says, I'm holy, so you be holy. And the whole idea is now in these chapters is God is getting into the nitty gritty of their daily life. I mean, from the way that they eat and their sexual relationships and um, child rearing and, and now like diseases and sickness. And he's getting all up into their personal business and saying, look, there's a clean or right way to do things and there's a unclean or wrong way to do things, a a way that's acceptable to me and a way that's not. And among other things, what is being communicated is just simply this, God's people are to be set apart and live in a way that is different than the rest of the world. It's not contained just in the Old Testament, this idea. In fact, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 15 says, but as he who has called you is holy, you also be holy in all of your conduct since it is written. And he actually quotes from Leviticus 11. You shall be holy for I am holy. So just a good reminder on, on, on a larger scale con, you know, context wise that this book is calling his people to live set apart for him. And that is true for us as believers that we are to live lives that not, not under these rules of Leviticus, but we are to live lives that are set apart to God and different and holy. And that's what Peter's talking about there in 1 Peter chapter one. Well, as we kind of go from a broader stroke context to a little bit more narrow, I'm gonna narrow it down even more. As we get to chapters 13 and 14, as I mentioned in the introduction, now what he's dealing with is specifically um, leprosy. Leprosy, that dreaded disease uh, of Bible times. And chapter 13 is primarily dealing with the diagnosis 
you know, trying to determine whether a person has leprosy. And you'll find that the key word there is examine. It's used over and over and over again. Whereas chapter 14 is going to deal more with um, the ceremony one would go through if they were healed or cleansed from uh, leprosy. And so we're going to look at that. Tonight we'll just focus in on, on chapter 13. Um, because it is such a long chapter, chapter like 59 verses, um, we are going to tackle it, but this is going to be my approach. What I would like to do is um, just kind of read through some big chunks, especially in the beginning up through verse 17. I'll probably just read all the way through. Pardon me as I adjust this microphone. If it makes a loud noise, I apologize. Um, we're going to read big chunks as we go through, but I also may skim through some areas uh, and leave you the time to uh, read it on your own in detail. Um, I, wanna, I want to be able to get to some of the main points and make some applications uh, within our time frame. So let's go ahead and jump in. Chapter 13, verse 1 says this. And the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, When a person has on the skin of his body a swelling or an eruption, and the word eruption there, the idea is like a, a raised like skin rash, or a spot, and it turns into a case of leprous disease on the skin of his body, then he shall be brought to Aaron, the priest, or to one of his sons, the priests. And the priest shall examine the diseased area on the skin of his body, and if the hair of the diseased area has turned white, and the diseased area uh, appears to be deeper than the skin of the body. It is a case of leprous disease. And when the priest has examined him, he shall pronounce him unclean. But if the spot is white in the skin of his body and it appears no deeper than the skin and the hair in it is not turned white, the priest shall shut up the um, diseased person, that means like quarantine him, for seven days. And the priest shall examine him on the seventh day and if in his eyes the disease is checked and the disease has not spread in the skin, then the priest shall shut him up for another seven days. And the priest shall examine him again on the seventh day. And if the diseased area has faded and the diseased area has not spread in the skin, then the priest shall pronounce him clean. It's only an eruption or a rash of some kind. And he shall wash his clothes and be clean. But if the eruption spreads in the skin... After he has shown himself to the priest for his cleansing, he shall appear again before the priest, and the priest shall look, and if the eruption has spread, pardon me, uh, in the skin, then the priest shall pronounce him unclean. It is a leprous disease. When a man is afflicted with a leprous disease, he shall be brought to the priest. And the priest shall look, and if there's a white swelling in the skin that has turned the hair white, um, and there's raw flesh in the swelling, it is a chronic leprous disease in the skin of the body, and the priest shall pronounce him unclean. He shall not shut him up, for he is unclean. And if the leprous disease breaks out in the skin so that the leprous disease covers all of the skin of the diseased person from head to foot, so far as the priest can see, then the priest shall look, and if the leprous disease has covered all his body, he shall pronounce him clean of the disease. Uh, it has all turned white. He is clean. But when raw flesh appears on him, he shall be unclean. And the priest shall examine the raw flesh and pronounce him unclean. Raw flesh is unclean, for it is leprous disease. But if the raw flesh recovers, 
turns white again, and he shall come to the priest, and the priest shall examine him. And if the disease has turned white, then the priest shall pronounce the diseased person clean. He is clean. Wow. That's a mouthful, and we're only 17 verses in, so <laughs> um, lots to go. But I want to spend some time on the front end because really, in this first section of, of verses 1 through 17, we really get um, a ton of information that kind of is repeated um, and just tweaked a little bit in the following sections. So um, not that those aren't important, but we're just going to try to get the main gist of, of all of this, and then we'll kind of briefly go over those other, those other um, sections. But first thing we want to talk about is this idea of leprosy, leprosy. If you have an NIV version, um, it might translate it something like infectious skin disease. Not every single skin ailment that they came to with, to the priest um, was necessarily uh, leprosy. Um, the, the symptoms might look like the beginning of leprosy, but it could be something else. It could be, uh, you know, some kind of rash or measles or smallpox or some other thing. That they're not sure what it is, uh, but the worst case scenario would be that it would be uh, leprosy. Leprosy, that it was such a dreaded disease uh, back in the day. Nowadays, um, there, there's a cure for it. In fact, we don't call it leprosy anymore. We call it Hansen's disease. Um, I just read this today. It's not like I am have this information on the tip of my tongue or anything, but I did read this today that um, there's only about 150 people annually in the United States that get Hansen's disease. And if it is caught early, it's easily treated and it's... Um, you know, there's medication and there's usually, you know, pretty minor, it's a minor problem. But if it's not treated, um, it's actually a really, really severe um, disease. It's this bacterial disease gets in underneath the skin. It attacks the nerves and, and a person who is advancing in leprosy will lose sensation in their extremities and their fingers and their skin. And because of that, Oftentimes they'll, you know, think about it in Bible days when, um, you know, walking around and you're lost sensation in your foot and you step on a sharp rock or something and you cut your foot and you don't even know it. Or you hit your finger with a hammer and you don't even know it. And because there'd be little cuts and this and that and the, there's the, the diseases at work, there'd be like all these other infections that would happen. And that's, that's like part of the big problem was is that lepers would get all these infections and then as time went on the disease um, would cause you to lose your eyebrows you could lose your your eyesight there'd be like tumors in the in the area of the eye inside and it would um, kill the eyesight um, they would lose digits fingers uh, just a just an absolutely um, horrible um disease that eventually just killed you from the inside out. You know, I, I think it was in 2015, uh, my wife and I had the opportunity to go to India. And it's a trip. I don't know if you've ever been to India, but um, we went to New Delhi and other places in India. But when we were in New Delhi, it's, it's crazy because we, we had the opportunity to stay at this camp, which was kind of nice, um, you know, teaching to pastors. And then we stayed in a nice hotel one night but then right across from the hotel is just absolute poverty. And, and uh, the guy that was leading us around took us to a, an area right in the middle of town that was just kind of in this one section of the, off the street, like an alley, and it was a leper colony, a modern-day leper colony. 
Uh, there weren't a lot of lepers in the, 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 that place at that time. They were actually out begging in the middle of the day. But I did get to meet a gentleman who was just advanced in leprosy, no fingers, such a pitiful sight. And then got to pray with and help comfort a woman who had just lost her husband to leprosy. And just, it just, I guess I'm just saying that is like that sticks in my mind. You know, as soon as I, I hear leprosy, that, that picture comes into my, to my brain. But all that to say is that was the dreaded disease. Um, so there was no cure for it. And, um, so they had to come up with a way to determine, and that's what chapter 13 is. It's, it's like this, this way of determining, um, diagnosing if somebody has it, and then to protect the rest of the population from getting it. We're going through that right now, right, with all of our quarantining and, and social distancing and all that stuff. But without rehashing all of it, I just want to kind of, kind of go down the process that I'm sure you picked up on as I was reading it. But basically, this is how it would go down. So... Let's just say you're a man or a woman and there is uh, some symptoms coming up on your skin, on your arm or your leg or the back of your neck or on your head or something and, and you're like, oh no. And uh, if it were me, I would probably like just be praying and like covering it up and not wanting to go to the priest. But that person would come to the priest or be brought to the priest and the priest would make an examination of the area and there was all kinds of you know symptoms that we looked at whether it was like a a swelling or an eruption or a a spot but then you would take a closer look and if it was just obvious i mean i think one of the symptoms that was real obvious was it was spreading and was raw flesh and there was no need to quarantine no need for further evaluation you are unclean but if the if the priest looked at it and he's like well i'm not sure I'm, i'm uncertain what they would do is quarantine that person for one week and then after the week, they would re-examine. And if it was clear that it was leprosy at that point, boom, pronounced unclean. But if it was still uncertain or maybe it's starting to get a little bit better, they're not sure, they would quarantine a second week. After that second week, they would examine again. And then kind of the same idea. It's either clean or unclean at that point, And the priest uh, would make a determination um, so that was kind of what we went over there in those first 17 verses. Um, they have the initial symptoms. They do the initial examination, maybe quarantine, maybe another examination. Uh, but that's kind of the, the gist of it. I do want to point out, because we're going to come back to it later, some of the main symptoms that were dead giveaways that it was leprosy. Number one, it was deeper than the skin. Number two, it spread. And number three, Um, it was described as raw flesh or just kind of open, seeping flesh. And I just kind of tucked that away. It's going to come into play later on. Well, let's pick it up a little bit now. Um, Thank you for bearing with me. I I know this is kind of laborious to go through all these things, but um, it's important. Again, we're going to skim a little bit quicker now. From verses 18 through 23, notice uh, here's the circumstance. Here's the symptom that might cause somebody to get looked at. If there is a skin, uh, if there is in the skin of one's body a boil and it heals, and in the place of the boil there comes a white swelling or a reddish white spot, um, it's shown to the priest, and the priest shall look, and if it appears deeper than the skin and the hair is turned white, the pr- priest will pronounce him unclean. It is a case of the leprous disease uh, in the place of the boil there. Verse 21 through 23 kind of gives the, but if it's you know healing, then um, quarantining him and and then um, pronouncing him clean. So maybe somebody has a boil, and that boil kind of heals, but then in the healing, it's 
there, it's obvious that there's a further infection or something that could be a, a circumstance where they have to get that checked out. We'll look at verse 24 and another symptom or, or something that might cause somebody to have to keep an eye on their skin. It says, and when the body um, has a burn on the skin and the raw flesh of the burn becomes a spot, reddish white, reddish white or white, the priest shall examine it. And if the hair in the spot has turned white and appears deeper than the skin, it's leprous disease. It is broken out in the burn and the priest shall pronounce him unclean. It is a case of leprous disease. But if the priest examines it and there's no white hair in the spot, it's not deeper than the skin, but has faded, the priest shall shut him up for seven days. The priest shall examine him on the seventh day. If it is spreading in the skin, uh, the priest shall pronounce him unclean. It is a case of leprous disease, but if the spot remains in one place, doesn't spread in the skin, it's faded, the swelling from the burn, and the priest shall pronounce him clean, it is um, a scar from the burn. So, you know, those first few symptoms, whether it's like a, uh, a rash or, or swelling or that, and then, and then it talks about a boil, then it talks about a burn that's healing. Well, then in verse 29, I think through about 37, it says this, when a man or a woman has a disease on the head or the beard, the priest shall examine, and if it appears deeper than the skin and the hair of it turns yellow and thin, the priest shall pronounce him unclean. Now, this is interesting. It is an itch. That's the ESV version. It calls it an itch, a leprous um, disease on the head or the beard. And then it kind of repeats that same procedure down through verse 37. But I wanted to just point out, here's another symptom, an itch. We would... I think I looked it up three different times uh, in the Hebrew. It's just the idea is that of like a, um, like a scab of some sort. So some kind of scabby spot, they call it an itch. Well, then that goes down to verse 37. But, but, now that I'm going fast through this, I slow down. I want to get to, um, well, verse 38. It goes, when a man or woman has spots on the skin of the body, oh man, the priest shall look. And then it goes on, if, if they're dull and white, it is uh, leucoderma, and it's broken out, he's clean. Oh, okay, so it's not what they thought. But this is the one I actually was trying to get to, verse 40. This is what causes me to sit up and tremble. If a man's hair falls out from his head and he is bald, he is clean. Oh, whoo, all right. I'm not bald, but look at verse 41. And if a man's hair falls out from the forehead, he has baldness of the forehead, He's clean. Some of us are very relieved. If you're bald, it doesn't mean you have leprosy. If you have a receding hairline, praise God, it is not leprosy. It's just a receding hairline. <laughs> but verse 42 says, um, if there is on the bald head um, a reddish white spot, and it goes on and, and describes um, possibilities of it actually being um, a leprous spot. Now, all of this, verses 1 through 44, that I might say and add here that we covered in record time. Um, those are all these various symptoms that a person might have. And they're getting it examined by the priest, going through the procedure that we looked at. And there's some fine details in there that, that I may not have read that you can go back and read. I'm just trying to give us the main idea here. But when we get to, to verse 45 and 46, this is where... I mean, all of this gets real serious. Everything, as we say sometimes, it gets real. Because look at the fate of somebody. I mean, what happens? Okay, you're unclean. The priest calls you unclean. But what does that mean? What does that look like for you? Here's what it means. Verse 45. 
the person or the leprous person who has the disease shall wear um, torn clothes and let the hair of his head hang loose and shall cover his upper lip, or it might say mustache, and cry out, unclean, unclean. Listen to this. And he shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease. He is unclean and he shall live alone and his dwelling shall be outside the camp. That's pretty harsh. I mean, that's a really sobering couple of verses. And when you think about how this played out in real life, I mean, just imagine you go in and, you know, your worst fears are confirmed. You know, I, I can only imagine it's something like going to a doctor and hearing the word cancer. Um, I can imagine it's very much like that. The thoughts that would run through your mind, the, the fears, the, the scrambling inside your soul. Because when you are pronounced unclean with leprosy, in essence, what has happened is the priest has just given you your death sentence. In fact, um, I read this one account in a commentary somewhere or something that said that some of the rabbis would actually literally re refer to it as that. The, the, the lepers were referred to as the living dead. The living dead. Not, not a zombie, but the living dead. Because though they're alive physically, it's just a matter of time. Their body is dying. And really for that reason, when we read about them having to tear their clothes or, or let their hair down or cover their, their mustache or the lower part of their face, all of those things were these outward, um, culturally understood outward expressions of mourning, something you would do if a relative died. Um, but they're like in this perpetual mourning because their life's over. And it's just a horribly terrible fate. But, you know, worse than the physical, you know, I was thinking about this, and, and I think it's important to the, to, to the point that we're going to get to here eventually. It's more than just a physical death. I mean, think about what else dies with these guys. What, what else dies with them is, is any kind of connection to the temple or to the tabernacle at this point. They can never again go and be clean ceremonially and go and worship with God's people. By the way, this doesn't mean that they were not going to heaven or they were like, you know, somehow not saved or whatever or uh, God's children. It just meant that they were ceremonially unclean for the rest of their lives. They were excommunicated. They couldn't go to the tabernacle, couldn't go to the temple. You know, we've, we've been having these, um, this week or two of, of being, you know, pulling back and not being able to gather all around the country. Churches, I never thought I'd see the day where, where churches all around the world are being kept from gathering together. And just as an aside here, I think that Satan probably thinks he's pretty smart and probably thinks that he's won the day. But in reality, I think what's going to happen is it's just going to create that longing and that desire for the true church of Jesus Christ to gather all the more. And when those gates open again, when the doors open again, it's going to be like a floodgate, in my opinion. I think the church will be packed, and I think there'll be a new excitement. It's that, uh, you know, distance makes the heart grow fonder kind of scenario. And uh, man, so you know, we can kind of, in a small way, feel like, you know, get that feeling of like, man, I can't, I can't go worship. I can't, you know, be with the people. Nothing like our persecuted brothers and sisters have to go through every day. But all that to say is they were excommunicated. They couldn't go worship. 
Number two, they were permanently separated from their family and friends and all of society. And from that moment, they didn't get like a, you know, a buffer time where like, okay, say your goodbyes, go do, no. From that moment, they don't get to kiss their wife goodbye. They don't get to hug their kids because they're unclean. And anybody they touch now is gonna be unclean. And not only with that death to the family unit, death to uh, the society, death to temple worship, there was a stigma, you know, a death to your reputation. You know, everywhere you go from that point on, you have to maintain a distance, not a six-foot distance of social distancing. I forget what the actual distancing was, but it was pretty severe, and you'd have to cry out, unclean, unclean. How would you like that? You know, you're walking down the street. Oh, you know, you're not trying to bother anybody, whatever, but here's another group of people, and legally, you have to say, unclean, I'm a leper. Don't come near me, or you're going to be unclean. Can you imagine what that does? You are now known from now on as the unclean leper. It doesn't matter how smart you are. It doesn't matter what you achieved earlier in your life. It doesn't matter how you know, wise you are, funny you are, a good personality. No, you're just known now as the leper, the unclean one. And then to boot, not that it's, it was true, but the stigma was that people that were stricken with leprosy it was a judgment from God that you had done something wrong to really make God angry and that's why you're struck with leprosy. So everybody looked at you with a little bit of judgment in their eye, a little bit down the nose because they're like, well, well clearly you must have done something to really uh, tick God off. You're not very holy or else you wouldn't be a leper. Imagine living with all of that. And then not only death to all the social life, family life, um, personal life, physical life, but there was, there was really a, you know, I was thinking about this, there was kind of a death of hope. What I mean by that is, listen, he shall remain unclean, verse 46, as long as he has the disease. Now, all this is going to build up to something, so, so hang in there with me, but as long as he has the disease, guys, at this time, there's no cure for this disease. If it's truly leprosy, there's no hope. He's going to have, she's going to have that disease until the day he or she goes to be with God. Well, tuck that away. Let's continue in the chapter and then um, we're going to um, make some applications. Verse 47. Now, again, I'm going to do this pretty quickly, not because I don't think it's important, but because you can read the details. Uh, it's, it's very similar but look at verse 47. When there's a case of leprous disease in a garment, so now it's not on a person, it's on a garment. Whether it's wool or linen garment or warp or woof, that is like whether it's uh, knitted or weaved together of linen or wool in the skin, like leather skin of some type um, or anything made of skin, if the disease is greenish or reddish in the garment or in the skin of the warp or the woof or if any article made of skin in the case of leprous disease, it shall be shown to the priest. The priest shall examine and uh, the disease shut up that which has the disease for seven days. So they're literally quarantining their cloak, you know, quarantining their, their leather uh, covering or whatever. Then he shall examine the, the disease on the seventh day. If the disease has spread in the garment, the warp of the woof or in the skin, um, whatever be the use of the skin, the disease is persistent leprous disease it is unclean and he shall burn the garment or the warp or the woof the wool or the linen 
the article made of skin that is diseased. It is a persistent leprous disease. It shall be burned with fire. And then verses 30, or excuse me, 53 through 58 kind of gives, you know, like, I'm not going to read it through, but basically like they examine it. They're not sure. Okay, maybe it's spreading. Maybe it's not. And they, you know, wash it and then quarantine it again. And then it's either pronounced clean or unclean. Verse 59, this is the law for a case of leprous disease in a garment, wool or linen, either in warp or woof or in any article made of skin to determine whether it's clean or unclean. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I find it, I, I find it kind of weird that, you know, I get, you know, the whole procedure of figuring out if a person has leprosy, but what was the deal with the clothes or the, the garment or the covering or whatever, you know, whether it was wool or linen or, or a leather skin of some sort? Well, the idea is this, you guys, that it would be very possible for there to be some kind of mildew or fungus or growth that would get into that garment or on that skin. You know, and I'm thinking, well, why don't they just throw the dang thing away and go to Ross, dress for less, and get something new? Well, that's exactly the point. They, they can't. Uh, it's expensive. They, don't, they, they, they can't just throw their shirt away or their clothes away. It was expensive. It was labor intensive to get these things. They were valuable to them. They didn't have a lot of them. So it was a cost to them. You know, it would be significant. But if they didn't deal with it, listen, if they didn't deal with it, the idea was is that growth that was on the garment would spread to the rest of the garment and maybe onto other garments but maybe even worse than that, if you're wearing it or it's on you, maybe it can spread to you and give you some kind of infection or the, you know, spread onto you and defile you. So the idea was that it had to be burned. Okay, having all of that been said, um, I want to just delve into making some applications with this. And, and I'm praying that God will give me the grace because I really have been so blessed Believe it or not, in this kind of obscure chapter about leprosy, <laughs> um, there's a couple of applications that have really blessed my heart. And so I want to look at those at this time. And um, here's what we're going to do. The first thing I want to do is um, kind of lay a foundation here for the, 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 the two applications I have. Number one, the, the foundation for those applications, I should say, is this. Um, when you talk about leprosy in the Bible, leprosy is a very powerful and appropriate metaphor for sin. It's a type, it's a picture of sin. The physical disease of leprosy, its spiritual counterpart is that of sin. It, it, it just works as a great analogy of that. And there's so many reasons why, and you could, you could probably spend a whole lot of time going through all the parallels of, of how physical leprosy um, infects and, and destroys a human body and how sin um, infects and, and destroys the soul. Um, I'll give you a few, but remember when we talked about the original um, first few verses there, we talked about the, the symptoms that were dead on, you know, um, giveaways that it's leprosy. Number one, it was deeper than the skin. That's a significant phrase, deeper than the skin. And I know for the leprosy thing, it's talking about it goes beyond the, 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 the top part of your epidermis or whatever, it goes deeper than that. But guys, we talked about in our last study in chapter 11 and 12, that sin, it's deeper than the skin. It goes down into the heart. 
that we have this thing called, there's this thing called original sin, that because Adam sinned, all of the death that came because of Adam's sin and all the fallout of that has been passed down to every single one of us as human beings. Our issues, we might have symptoms like, you know, I do this or I lie or whatever. You know why those symptoms are there? Because at the core of who we are, we're sinners. It's deeper than the skin. We're natural born sinners. We're all SIN positive, as I like to say. And number two, notice that the sin spreads or, or leprosy spreads. You know, sin spreads. You can kind of keep it under wraps for a while, but think about leprosy. You could hide it for a while. You had one little spot on your arm. Ah, wear a long sleeve, no big deal. But guess what? It doesn't stay there. You know, we think we can control sin. We think that we can kind of, uh, you know, just, just sin in moderation. You know, I've got this under wraps. I can control this. Listen, sin will not be kept under wraps. It will spread. It goes deep, it goes in, and it will begin to multiply and spread and destroy. And the third one that I thought was interesting is raw flesh. I, could, I can't help but read that word raw flesh and think about like in Galatians and in the New Testament where Paul starts talking about the deeds of the flesh like fornication and gossip and lying and envy. And guys, sometimes there's just obvious, obvious signs of sin in our lives, those gross outward sins, that raw flesh as it were. But you know, you know further on with the analogy of, of, of leprosy, speaking of sin, what else did leprosy do? It, it, it caused separation, isolation from the very ones you loved. Isn't that so true of what sin does? Our sin ends up not only hurting ourselves, we end up hurting the people that we love the most, our wives, our kids, our husbands, our, our church, our family. Our sin is, is so bad and so dangerous and so gross and so far-reaching that it doesn't just hurt us and destroy us. You know, sometimes when people are trying to justify their, their actions, they'll say stuff like, well, I'm not hurting anyone. I'm not hurting anyone. Well, maybe you're not physically hurting them, but you are hurting someone. You're hurting you. You're hurting the people that are connected to you. Sin just separates and it destroys it just destroys families, it destroys lives, it destroys health. You guys get the picture. I don't need to belabor it, but it ultimately just kills you. And guys, that's exactly what sin does. You know, the Bible says the wages of sin is what? Death. The wages of sin. Always, every time, death in some way. So with that kind of in mind, just think with me here, indulge me a little bit longer but with the idea of leprosy being a type and a metaphor of sin, there's a theological application that just has really blessed me here in chapter 13. And here's what I mean. As I mentioned earlier, chapter 13, um, the gist of it, the overarching theme of chapter 13 specifically is the examination of this skin disease or whatever to determine whether it's leprosy. It's the examination process. The word examine is used literally over 20 times just in this chapter. So this whole chapter is designed to show a priest how to examine somebody to determine whether or not they have leprosy. But here's what I want to just kind of bring out. If leprosy is a picture of, of sin, guys, listen. Listen. 
the determination, there has been an examination of every single one of us, and it has been determined that every single human being has been infected with the leprosy of sin. Every single one of us is guilty, as I said earlier. Romans chapter three, verse 23, actually backing up to verse 22, it says, there is no difference for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. What do you mean there's been an examination of, of every person and every person sinful? Yeah, he's got to know that the, the world, uh, the culture, the day in which we live is going to buck against that idea that people are somehow sinners. But guys, read Romans chapter 1, Romans 2, and Romans 3. He talks about, in Romans chapter 1, briefly, he talks about how there's those people, you know, maybe pagan cultures, whatever. I mean, look at the way they're acting and, and um, you know, these gross, outward, paganistic, whatever, sinful, lawless deeds that are being done. But then he talks about in chapter 2, but you know what? There's also moral sinners, people that think that, you know, because I'm not doing these outward, gross, obvious sins, that I'm somehow better. But he calls them out and says, look, you're doing the same thing in your heart. And you're prideful. And he even turns the attention to the religious sinner. Do you know you can be a religious sinner? You can be somebody that goes to church your whole life. You can be somebody that is very proud of your religious achievements. And, and it can just be a gross, sinful, self-reliant pride. The point is, the, the whole point is that Paul says, all have sinned. All have fallen short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin is death. So guys, all of humanity has been infected with the leprosy of sin and all of humanity is in this doomed destiny, a hopeless situation. Now I want to think about this a little bit further because check this out. I think Leviticus chapter 13 and 14 serves as like a microcosm of the entire law. Think with me for a second. What is chapter 13 and 14 doing? It's talking about leprosy. Specifically chapter 13, what is it doing? It is showing a person, this is leprosy, this is how you, you, you know you have leprosy, but then in chapter 14 it says, but if you are cured from your leprosy, here's a, uh, a ceremony to go through, and then you can be ceremonially clean. So it tells you if you have leprosy, and it tells you what to do, you know, if it goes away or something, gives you some ceremony to do, but you know what it doesn't give you? The cure. For leprosy. It'll tell you you got leprosy and it will give you the consequences of leprosy. But guess what? It will not give you the cure for leprosy. And guys, that is exactly on a bigger scale what the law is all about. I'm talking about the whole of the law, the whole Levitical system, the Ten Commandments, all these other commandments, all of it. Guys, we need to understand something. The law is designed to show us that we are all sinners. It's to reveal to us that we're sinners. It shows us, we're, like Paul, I just read it actually in my devotions this morning. In Romans 7, he's so frustrated because he says, I, I want to do the law. I agree that the law is good. The problem is not the law. I'm paraphrasing. The problem is my inability to do it. Guys, the law was never intended to make anybody righteous before God. The law was actually intended to show us that we're not righteous before God. Let me read to you from uh, Galatians chapter 3 real quick. This is in verse 11. Actually, I'll start in verse 10. For all who rely on works of the law are under its curse. For it is written, cursed 
um, be everyone who does not abide by all the things written in the book of the law to do them. Now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law, for the righteous shall live by faith. Paul just lays out this amazing argument here in Galatians and Romans and other places that the law was never intended to, to make us right before God. Somehow thinking, if I can keep all the rules, if I can just check all the boxes, then I'll be right with God. He says, no. In fact, later on in chapter three of Galatians, uh, somewhere around verse 23, he talks about how the law is actually like a tutor or schoolmaster to just show us that we're not righteous and that we need grace and that we get that grace and that justification from God, not through our works, not through anything we do, but solely by grace through faith. But back to my point, listen, Leviticus chapter 13 can show a person they have leprosy, but it could never cure somebody of leprosy. Then you fast forward, enter Jesus. And guys, Jesus comes on the scene. Have you ever thought about this? Did you, you read through the gospels and look at all the lepers that he healed. The one I'm thinking of in particularly, it's in several of the gospel accounts, but I'm, I'm thinking of the one there in Mark chapter one, somewhere around verse 40 where there's this leprous man and he comes to Jesus and he says, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus touches him and says, I will be clean. Do you guys understand maybe after reading through Levitical law and all of the stigma and all of the grossness and all of the, the, the seriousness and the, what the law said about lepers and their destiny and, and their condition and all of that stuff, how radical was Jesus that when a leper came up, he didn't throw rocks at him like some rabbis did, like they're stray dogs to get them away. No, he touched them. He laid his hands on them. And those people, maybe for the first time in a decade, felt the touch of another human being that wasn't a leper. And he had compassion on them. And this is so key because, listen, the question was, if you're willing, Jesus, it's not a matter of your ability, it's a matter of your willingness. I know you can make me clean. And Jesus says, I will. I do want to be clean. Guys, Jesus was the answer for physical leprosy. And Jesus is the answer for spiritual leprosy, for sin. He's the one that we go to and we say, Lord, I'm leprous. I can't fix myself. I just need you. Are you willing? And guys, this is so huge. Jesus is always, always willing to cleanse a spiritual leper. Always willing to take away that sin because that's why he came. And you might say, well, 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 how did Jesus do this? Okay, yeah, he healed people of physical leprosy, but what are you talking about? How does he heal us from spiritual leprosy? Listen, this is the gospel. Because the only one that was clean, Jesus, the only one who ever was actually fully clean, not unclean, but clean. You see, when he came to earth, he is all man. He was 100% man. He is born in a, as a baby. He lived life as a human being. He is a man, but he is simultaneously God. He is the son of God and the son of Mary. 
And together, it's called the incarnation, the hypostatic union. It's a theological mind blower. How can he be God and man at the same time? But that's the beauty of it because he's a 100% man. He relates to us on that level, but he's the son of God, meaning he did not bring with him a sinful nature. He was clean. Guys, for 33 years, the world examined him. In those last week or so of his ministry before he went to the cross, he was grilled by the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They couldn't, they were looking for ways to trip him up in his words. They couldn't find anything. There was no sin. Pilate himself, when he was being grilled by Pilate, brought to Pilate in that sham of a, of a, of a trial and all of that, Pilate says multiple times, I find no fault in him. Jesus, the only clean one became unclean, took upon himself our leprosy. He bore, Isaiah says, our sin. And the idea of that is, it's like this picture of, of we're carrying like a backpack or something and it's, the, it's lifted off of us, but then put onto him. Guys, he lifted our leprosy, our sin off of us and he put it upon himself and he went to the cross and he died the death that we deserved. The wages of sin is death, but Jesus took our sin and he died on that cross for us in our place. And then three days later, he conquered death, conquered sin, and now says, I am willing, I am willing and able to heal, to cleanse any spiritual leper that humbles himself or humbles herself and comes to me. I am willing. Guys, it's the gospel. Amen. I said amen like there's... (laughs) Like there's a crowd full of people here. Just wherever you're sitting right now, in your car, at your living room, you know, whatever, just say amen. Jesus Christ is the cure for the sin, the leprosy of our soul, for sin. He became unclean that we might be clean. He, the the righteous one, the sinless one, became sin that we might become the righteousness of God. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, by the way. So praise God. This law shows us that we're sinners. We have no hope. But then Jesus came and he became sin. He took our leprosy. He took it to the cross. He died. He raised from the dead and he's willing. And, and I just want to ask right now, whoever is listening to this, have you received that healing for your spiritual leprosy? Have you received forgiveness from Jesus? You see, listen carefully. Listen carefully. You can deny that you're a leper and die of leprosy. You can hide your leprosy and die of leprosy. You can justify your leprosy and you'll die of leprosy. And you can hide your sin and say you're not a sinner and and, and justify your sin and you'll die in your sin, Jesus said. There's only one solution. It's Jesus Christ. It's not a what, it's a who. It's him, it's Jesus. Now, by the way, before I get off that point, which is the main point, by the way, I think about another leper that came to Jesus, Luke chapter 17. There's actually 10 of them. They came and they were at a distance. Why? Because they were separated. Why? They're lepers. They're not allowed to be close to people. And they cried out, Jesus, have mercy upon us. And Jesus says, go show yourself to the priest. And that's what we're gonna talk about next week, by the way, in Leviticus Leviticus 14. Go show yourself to the priest. Why? Because they would have to get re-examined, go through that process and, and all of that. And it was a testimony to the priest. But as they were going, one of them 
You know, they all look down and they realize, oh my gosh, we've been cleansed. We're not even, we're not even leprous anymore. They were healed. And it says one of them ran back to Jesus, check this out, fell at his feet and thanked him and praised him. Guys, did you notice that there was no longer a distance? There was no longer a separation because he was no longer, he was no longer unclean. And now he didn't have to keep his distance. He could come right to the feet of Jesus, right into his presence. And what did he do? He was just full of praise. And guys, as a fellow ex-leper, man, how amazing is it that we don't have to keep our distance from God. Our, our sin has been taken away. And we ought to be those. I want to be a person that is just never tired of praising God because he took away my sin. You know, I don't know, maybe something, you know, a lot of things haven't gone right in your life lately this week or things are hard, but can I just remind you something? If you're a born-again believer in Jesus, your sins are gone and you're forgiven and you're clean and you can go right into the presence of Jesus tonight. The second application, a much shorter one I might add, is this, a little more personal. You see, even though we've been born again, even though those of us who have put our faith in Christ were born again, our sins are forgiven, we can have access to God, we've received grace, all those things. Have you noticed with me, we still struggle with sin. <laughs> yes, we have a new nature, but yes, we still have our old nature. But I, th- I thought the old nature died. Yes, that old nature is dead to us in the sense that it doesn't have power over us anymore unless we let it. And, but we're still going to have that struggle. Until the day we die, we're going to have that struggle of the old nature and the new nature. Yes, we've been free from the penalty of sin. Yes, we've been free from the power of sin unless we yield to it. But we still have, man, we still have those inclinations, that old sinful nature in us wants to just rule still. So from time to time, guess what? We get little rashes of sin. We get symptoms of sin. We get that swelling of pride. We get that itch to lust. We get that rawness in our soul of bitterness and unforgiveness. And that sometimes just kind of comes out in the way that we talk. Guys, we have those symptoms still. We still see the ugly effects of that sin in our lives from time to time. And can I, you know, I hope I'm not literally talking to myself right now. I hope you can relate to that. I love Jesus with all my heart. And guess what? I struggle sometimes. I still have these tendencies. I still have the the flesh wants to do what the flesh wants to do. And like Paul in Romans 7, the things I want to do, I don't. Sometimes the things I don't want to do, I do. But what's the answer? It's Jesus. It's our great high priest. You see, we just go to our priest. I was thinking of Psalm 139 where at the end um, the psalmist says, search my heart and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. And I think it's good for us sometimes when we're noticing some symptoms to just say, Lord, just come to him and say, Lord, my great high priest, will you examine my heart? You see this spot, you see this rash, you see this tendency. And what do we do? We confess it. We let him touch us and heal us and forgive us and cleanse us and we move on. And we need to do that, I think, a lot. Because if you're like me, man, those symptoms come up a lot. I go to the priest a lot, I, so to speak. I go to Jesus and I say, Lord, this, this rash has come back and I just need you not only to examine me, but I need you to cleanse me. You see, our great high priest is not only the one who examines us, but he's also the one that cleanses us. 
and forgives us. Romans, excuse me, 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to purify us, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. One last little thought on this and we'll be done is, you know, it, it is interesting that as believers, we're also called priests. We're, we're not the high priests like Jesus. We're just believer priests, fellow servants. And you know, from time to time, we'll have symptoms of sin in our lives and we don't see it, but others do. Others can tell by the way we talk that there's bitterness, you know, in us or that, you know, an action that we do or anger or, you know, whatever it might be. And it's a blind spot for us. And I think we need to be open to allowing when done correctly, I hope, our believer, priest, brothers and sisters to be able to come and say, bro or sister, I don't know if you see this, but man, there's some symptoms of some leprosy here. Think of Galatians chapter six, where it says, if you see a brother overtaken in a sin, you who are spiritual, restore such a one, but in meekness, lest you be tempted. Sometimes I think, you know, my tendency is to shy away from this, you know, mind my own business. And, And certainly we don't want to get into everybody's business, no way. But if you have a relationship with somebody, a brother and a sister, and you really are seeing some sinful stuff in their life and you, and you prayed for them and you spent time talking to the Lord about it and you prayed and you've talked to the Lord and you prayed, you get the point, there may be a time where you need to go to him or you need to go to her and say, I love you and I come before you in love. But man, th- there's some, I don't know if you see this, but you've got some, you've got a rash, bro. <laughs> you've got You've got a scab of sin that's showing and I don't know if you've seen that, but let's go to the priest together. Let's pray about it. And we need to help restore one another. So, well, praise God. Praise the Lord that we um, have a great high priest who not only can examine us and knows us better than we know ourselves and sees the sin, but he's taken that sin away, separated it as far as the east is from the west. And even when there's that residual symptom or two that comes up we can just go to him and we can be cleansed and forgiven and free amen amen well father we come before you this evening and we thank you for your word and if anything tonight lord i just want to pray that as we come away from leviticus 13 we would come away with a greater and deeper love and appreciation for jesus because we couldn't heal ourselves We couldn't deliver ourselves. If we went to the law, all the law could do is just show us that we're sick. But Lord, you came and you took on our sickness. You took on our disease of sin and you died for it. Oh God, thank you. Jesus, thank you that you were willing and you're always willing to respond to a humble leper who just simply says, cleanse me. And Jesus, I pray that you would cleanse any of my brothers and sisters that are struggling tonight. There's no condemnation. There's no frustration on your part. We just want to come and humble ourselves. In Jesus' name, amen. Guys, just as I was praying, I really felt like the Lord would just want to encourage anyone tonight who's struggling. Don't be surprised. Don't be surprised if you feel, you know, you see sinful tendencies still in you. We're gonna have that struggle till the day we die. God's not angry with you, not mad at you, but just come to him. 
You got to come in humility. You know, Jesus couldn't help any lepers that denied their leprosy or justified their leprosy. I don't think anybody would have done that in, in that way, but you know what I mean. We got to own it. That's why Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. And he's always willing to respond to any humble leper that comes for cleansing. God bless you.